Welcome to Helpful Social Work. Social work has the power to change people's lives for the better. This podcast aims to help you learn, think and act with integrity so that people who need social work get help that will transform their lives. I'm Jerry, And I'm Jo. And this is our next podcast on our journey through the life course. Each month, one podcast will be dedicated to the human journey through the social work lens from pre-birth to the end of life. Uh, we last looked at retirement, so today is actually older age. And I've got a few thank yous to people who shared the last podcast um, that was um, put out before this recording. So that's Steph, Liz, Mervyn, Andy, David, Dorothy, Ruth, Katie and Lydia. Everyone who shares it, it's really helpful. Uh, Christine asked about us putting the podcast on Spotify. And what? I thought, oh, I'm really old and I don't know about that. Uh, let's look into it. So we are doing that. <laughs> Excellent. And I also, out of interest, looked up who's, where people are listening to us in Canada. Right. So, so far, the top three are Ontario, British Columbia and Quebec, followed by Alberta and New Brunswick. So hello to all our Canadian listeners. Yeah, that's lovely. And you can tell yeah. us what you think of the podcast by visiting our website, www.helpfulsocialwork.com, or by commenting on iTunes or on our Facebook page, Helpful Social Work Podcast. Yes, because we really do want to hear from you. We're very interested in knowing um, how we can improve things or topics you might want to talk about or just what you think about what we think, really. Um, so it would be great. But this episode we're thinking about right now um, is about how we grow and evolve and what this means for social work, um, who the social workers are alongside us on those journeys. And today is older age. Yeah, so I'm simultaneously really relieved because most of my social work that I've done has been with older people and also that just threw me into a, a kind of a spin about all the things that we could talk about so we'll see how we go with it um, but I will start with definitions as usual there are loads and loads of ways that we use the word old um, it's a very old word itself from Indo-European roots and it can encompass lots of ideas uh, around having lived or existed for a long time being advanced in age being in existence for many years, uh, relating to people or to physical characteristics or to maturity or to wisdom. Uh, so all those kind of associated elements uh, it can be around exhibiting the effects of time or being long familiar. It can also encompass ideas of um, being practiced or experienced. And then we also use it as a kind of marker for things that are from a different time. Um, and we also use it as an intensive or as a, a kind of way of being familiar. So you come back any old time or good old Joe. Mm, or you're my old, dear old friend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. interesting, isn't it? And uh, I had had a look, um, just a brief look on online. And one of the things that struck me was uh, some work by Robert Harrison at Stanford University talking about the fact that we're made up or the idea that we're made up of lots of different types of ages, so biological age and historical and psychological and mm. institutional. So there isn't, we're not any of us just one age is this idea. And also within, even within one element of that, like for example, our biological age, different elements of us might feel younger or older. And I, I love this idea, and I've been thinking about this more and more since um, since you raised it. And, and for me, that's something really important for social work because actually people that we work with, their experiences or their health 
can really change their age, can't it? Like I've worked with young people, adolescents who have been through so much trauma and seen so much in their in their short years on this earth that you can't give their childhood back again. Does that make sense? Like they've they've kind of missed things and they're never going to be as naive or as as inquiring or as whatever as their peers because of the experiences they've had so they've got that kind of older outlook on life because of the experiences that have been have been there and I was also thinking about if you have a disability um, then one part of your body might feel a lot older in terms of how it's responding or growing than other yeah. parts of your body. Yeah so we do need to recognize the extreme individual nature of aging mm. it's really different for different people so there are some things that we can usefully say from research and theory and we need to recognize that it's going to be very varied and there's a real risk of labeling people and it's interesting we've talked about this before that in assessments and things like that we tend to start with how old people are you know, yes um, that seems to be one of the first facts that we put forward about people to kind of position them somewhere in a framework and I think we just need to be really wary of that and really kind of curious about it. Yeah, well, if you think about development, I mean, like I think about it from a child's point of view, we ask how old a child is because what we're doing is we're looking to see what milestones they needed to or they should have roughly achieved around that age. So what are their peers doing and are they able to do the same things? And if they're not able to do the same things, why might that be? Um, and I guess that that kind of categorization might be less helpful when people are older um, or it might even it, it might even not be done as finely. Does that make sense? Because they might not be thinking of older people as developing. You'd expect the variation to be much more um, broad, so it's less useful. And also mm. it does beg the question of why it would matter whether someone was 82 or 92 or 72 it might matter but I think mm. you need to explain why you're talking about the age at all yeah I, I hadn't thought about that before Jerry but I think that's really an interesting point there's lots of habitual bits of information we gather about people that can actually be potentially unhelpful rather than helpful and yeah their age may well be one of them depending on which context we're doing it in yeah well, you remember last time we were talking about retirement, we talked about the three phases of retirement, kind of like the carefree years, the quiet years and the frailty years. Well, really, if we think about that framework, we're now talking about the frailty years. Um, and this is where we need support and care as our bodies do start to wind down, actually. And we might need a little more support with carrying heavy things or doing housework or managing finances right up to having some quite serious health issues. But one thing we will have is, um, I guess, the body will have less ability to bounce back. Um, so if something happens to you, you won't get back to normal as quickly um, if you have if you're frail. And so if you think about frailty at, that can happen at any age, really, it's that idea that um, there's an increased state of vulnerability because when things happen, you don't get back quickly afterwards. 
and um, the British Gerontology Society talks about conditions associated with this increased risk of deterioration, um, such as acute frailty, frailty syndrome, which includes falls, delirium or acute um, confusion or off, off your legs, you know, so not able to get up after a relatively minor um, accident and, and get around as quickly, maybe a bit wobbly, losing confidence, uh, a higher risk of acute hospital admission and, you know, a, a risk of death. So they kind of talk about how that that um, older ages can be accompanied by frailty and that frailty uh, can lead to that, I guess, increased vulnerability. They also talk about the things that um, you can do for healthy ageing that, that reduce the risk of developing frailty. Um, I don't know whether this is good news or not, Jerry, but um, <laughs> it's, it sounds like uh, you, you need to remain disciplined throughout your life. Good nutrition, not too much alcohol, staying physically active and remaining engaged in local communities and avoiding loneliness. It's interesting because I've had a lot of debates with colleagues uh, within social work and in health professions about the use of the word frail because it's it's got this sort of a really negative association with it. Mm. And I think it's thrown around um, quite a lot about older people that they're sort of automatically frail. And I think the work that medics particularly have done in the um, and this definition from the Gerontology Society is is useful because it sets out what is actually meant physically yeah. by frailty. Um, and also yeah, they, they talk about the fact that this doesn't affect by any means everyone. So if you're in the sort of sit in your 60s, we're talking about around 5% of people who might experience mm. this issue of like not being able to bounce back from things. Um, mm. In your 70s, it's a little bit more like 10%, 12%, mm. and then it goes up again in your 80s, but it's still only around a third of people. And then it's really only in your 90s that you're looking at quite a, a substantial number, and again, only two thirds. So it's perfectly um, reasonable to expect older people to be in, in quite good health. And I think in social work, one of the things we have to be wary of is that we can get a slightly distorted view of older age yeah. if we're working with the population who experience frailty, um, rather than thinking about everyone. And it's interesting that all the sort of preventative stuff is linked to, well, a lot of it is linked to kind of social elements uh being engaged and being active um looking after yourself those sort of well-being things which mm. are kind of the, the um the realm of social work as well and the realm of all of us that was you know what struck me as i looked at them was yes from really as soon as you're able to take control of your own health and well-being these are the things that you should be doing so since so. it's kind of problematic to lump people together, that does beg the question of why we would consider older people as a distinctive group um, and, and what we would use as, so the boundary generally has been 65 for mm. that. Mm. Uh, so age is an Equality Act protected characteristic in the UK. Um, so we do need to recognise that people can experience discrimination on the basis of age. So for that reason, it's quite useful to have a sense of what age people are and what's happening to them. The the other thing is um, there is there is an argument for there being a valuable role for social work around older age. And uh, Alison Milne and her colleagues uh, who are 
academics within social work and also practitioners with older people have done a really good piece of work called Social Work with Older People, A Vision for the Future, which came out about five years ago and sets out why we would consider older people as a spe sort of specialism within social work. And there mm. were kind of three big arguments for it. The first is that people have lived through a lot of their life course. So the kind of complexities and issues that they might um, experience, the needs and situations that arise become quite complex just because of the length of time. So that was kind of the first argument. The second argument was that if people have experienced inequality or oppression, that also deepens and broadens potentially as you go through the life course. So yeah. the work of social workers and kind of overcoming that stuff becomes mm. really significant in older age. And the other thing that they point to is the fact that there is age discrimination, including mm. around services that people can receive. So we need to counter that very deliberately. Mm, sorry, I, and, and I agree with you. And I was just thinking about how, I mean, and we've already talked about, you know, how our life, how our um, our expectation for lifespan is is um getting you know increasing and how we are actually living healthier for longer and all those types of things and how we have to really adjust our thinking but for me one of the key areas here is as you say you know with inequalities deepening and widening if people who have been on a low income or who haven't managed to get together much pension are living for longer and the job market or ways that we can earn money or, or draw down money are very limited as you get older, then it necessarily really does limit your life opportunities, doesn't it? And, yeah, and the resource that's a really got, big challenge for us, I think. Yeah, particularly to make choices about what happens to you. Uh, mm. And there's, there's a couple of really significant things. So, the sort of way that I simplify this in my head, which might be oversimplification, is that if people have got money and they've got the capacity to make their own decisions, they just get on with things. And mm. it's when people either don't have the scope to make a decision or the means to follow it through yeah. that it becomes problematic. And that is something that can become much more prevalent with older age. Uh, you know, if resources are scarce, um, if there's an aging population, there's more complexity. And if people are experiencing more difficulties around decision making about particular things, then there can be a much stronger role. There can be a strong role for social workers within that group. Um, and the other thing that uh, was useful in thinking about this is we did some work in the British Association of Social Workers to look at the sorts of additional or more specific capabilities that you might need with working with older people beyond the things that all social workers need to be able to do well. Yep. And part of that work included talking to older people. And one of the um, one of the groups, somebody said in the group, it's really important that it isn't assumed that anyone can work with older people. Older people deserve to have social workers with the right knowledge and skills working with them and some of the knowledge and skills are the same as for working with other people but there are some specialist elements too so that coming the other thing to kind of be aware of is that older people themselves will have particular expectations around what social workers can offer in the same way as every group does so I think it's yeah. there's also that that responsibility too there's something for me in that about, you know, you talked about talking with older people well, you know, if we're making them into a group. 
there's something about the fact that in our society we do compartmentalise everybody, really. Children go to school, older people go to their places and they might have respite centres or they might have, you know, retirement homes or all of those kind of things. And there's lots of segregation. Um, and that makes it more difficult, I think, for us to know how to talk. Some people say, oh, I don't know how to talk to kids. Some other people will say, I don't know how to talk to old people. Like they're kind of not the same as us, which I find a quite interesting thing. But one of the things I've noticed is a tendency to talk to older people who may have frailties as if they're children. So forgetting that these are adults with agency who have lived a whole life and made all sorts of decisions and had all sorts of experiences and done all sorts of things and had all sorts of competencies and that there's this tendency to kind of um, infantilise them and, I, and I know, sorry, sorry, Jerry, I was just a bit, because I, I used to volunteer um, for a church group who would um, offer kind of a activities and afternoon tea for older people and things like not asking people how they take the tea or coffee. It's just, I know that sounds good, but, you know, everyone gets the same kind of cup of milky tea. Yes, it's a a real problem around risk aversion, I think, and... Uh, this idea of safety. Safety is quite a complicated concept for social workers, isn't it? Because one of the things that you kind of notice is that as people get older, people around them get more worried about them um, yes. when there are people to worry about them. But that can yeah. include professionals. Um, and this idea of keeping people safe and avoiding risk becomes um, much less kind of thought through than we'd mm. hope it would be um, at times so if you're doing risk assessments with older people it's the same as with any group you're thinking about what might happen and not just um, what might happen like a list this person might fall but what's the likelihood of that and what's the potential consequence of that and also you know how is that going to be managed with the person what do they want and the you know the absolute kind of right within law for people to make their own decisions um, and if they're not able to make a particular decision for us to make that decision in their best interest taking into account first of all their wishes and feelings around that so that kind of care and attention to what older people um, actually want from their life that's something that in my in my kind of career uh, has changed very significantly so before we had the mental capacity act in the UK sort of 15 years ago you people would professionals would make decisions about older people being safer in a care mm. home for example mm. and if they weren't able to you know, if somebody had dementia and they couldn't make that decision for themselves we might say well it's in their best interest and since the mental capacity act has come with its very clear principles which are really strong social work human rights principles that um, that's just not lawful and trying to offer people control and yeah think of people first of all as an individual human adult mm. um, and see past all the kind of age and any issues that they're facing is really really important and very difficult because I, I kind of uh, come at this not you know I've, I've done my kind of 
placements with adult social work, but as you know, I went into children's social work. And so a lot of what I come at this from is the experience of um, people around me and the work that I've done um, in Australia with financial planning. And what I would say is that one of the things that happens around risk for families and for the responsible adults um, around the older person is that they start to see the person as a problem to be solved. And so all of their language and all of the things that they're thinking about is how they can, as you say, manage the risk, keep them safe, solve the problem. And that can really take away um, conversations about the actual individual. And, and also too, because resourcing is low in some areas, so you're having to really struggle for resources, um, you can't always get what an older person would prefer. And so then the conversation becomes about how to get anything rather than yeah. how to get something that's most helpful. Does that make sense? It does. I think you've pinpointed the two biggest problems facing good social work with older people. The first is um, anxiety about what might happen to an older person from very often coming from a real genuine concern and regard for yeah, them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that that can then stifle understanding their individual wishes and creative sort of planning that you might want to do. And then the other big barrier is the resource. And it's really interesting in the UK, uh, Milne and colleagues kind of pointed to the fact that although older people are the largest group of users of um, both health and social care services, they, um, they only get two-fifths of total expenditure, even though they're two-thirds of NHS patients, for example. So there's a really big difference between the numbers and the resource available, um, which they suggest is to do with structural discrimination. And certainly within my own practice, I'm aware that you know, budgets for younger adults can be can be bigger. Um, yes. And that's... It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's a judgment about what do people what's necessary what, um, and also what do we value Jerry? For yeah yeah what do we value i think we do need to be really open in, in our conversations about what resource there is and how it's used and where we prioritize things and not come up with sort of fudges around that but you know mm. if it is to do with decisions about um the life course and where people are on that then that that we should be open about that. I mean, another yep. another issue we have in adult services in in England is that the number of the proportion of qualified social workers working with older people is lower than with younger adults, which suggests again that there's this idea that older people don't need uh, people who've done a social work qualification, and you know, Milne and colleagues, and, and I would agree with them, argue that actually the life course um, complexity and the um, the issues that people can face and the way that those accumulate would suggest that actually that's exactly where you would need social workers. So there's a, there's, an, there's a sort of need for the profession also to stand up for groups that maybe don't get the same level of service um, wherever we might find them. Um, and we have to help us with that these United Nations principles for older people, which we mentioned briefly, I think, last time. Uh, there's, this is a 
set of principles that um, kind of uphold the particular uh, way that, older, uh, that this particular group older people would need to be supported um, and it's encouraging they, they're encouraging the United Nations encouraging governments to incorporate the principles into national programs wherever possible and actually in Wales these principles are um, written into the Social Services and Wellbeing Act that's used for work with adults. So the principles are independence, participation, care, self-fulfillment and dignity. And independence covers all the sort of essential um, elements that people need in order to live um, and the opportunity to work and the opportunity to make choices about their own uh, living and where they're going to live, that kind of thing. Participation is around integration in society and the opportunity to um, be involved in, um, for example, volunteering or community work. Care is about people having the appropriate care, health and social care, um, legal support um, that, that they need. Self-fulfillment is about being able to pursue opportunities for the development of their potential. And I really like the idea that it's, it's, a, it's kind of enshrined in there that older people would have potential um, and continue to develop yeah yeah, yeah absolutely um, and have access to educational cultural spiritual and recreational resources of society and then dignity is about the um, opportunity to live in dignity and security be free of uh, abuse and neglect and treated fairly regardless of age and other characteristics that intersect with that and valued independently of the economic contribution and I think that's it's one of the things we've got to be conscious or questioning about where that might be at the root of some of these discrimination, um, mm. some of this discrimination that older people face. Uh, there was a lot of work done in the 80s and 90s around um, this idea of people having economic worth or not. Um, and if you were not working, that that would mean that you weren't provided with the same sort of services and support as other as a people and so I think we've just got to be kind of curious about where that idea might still persist. Well there was a debate on um, BBC4 last night again um, there was a, on one of the programs about um, the the kind of basic wage for everybody and the idea that we need to change how we distribute things and that tying it into paid work in the way we do is is not really helpful and in that they talked about um volunteering and how of course many many volunteers come from um people from the older age because they've finished kind of one part of their working life and they've moved into something else and they were talking about how valuable that was um and, yeah. and so so there is there is something about how we structure and reimburse or support people isn't mm. there yeah yeah and we do need to be really aware of the diversity in older age and the way that that's growing so um certainly in the united kingdom the demographic um context means that there's just a, a lot of changes um in the older population and they'll begin it's going to be increasingly characterized by diversity and difference including things like um, more older people living alone or um, being divorced, um, mm. more people remaining at home with complex needs, more people living in poverty, um, greater proportion of black and minority ethnic people, um, 
greater diversity, open diversity around sexuality, for example. So there's, you know, if you look at any kind of area of diversity, what you tend to see is that the older population is 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 changing in that regard. And so this idea that older people are, are a, a group, um, we have to think about where that's relevant and where it's really not. Um, and, you know, do that individual work with people, that really kind of focused individual work that is so difficult, as you say, when there's not enough time or resource or um, or where people maybe don't have the uh, haven't had the chance to develop the capabilities to work with older people. Yeah, for me, the issue of identity in the older age is really, really important. I just think, you know, you don't all of a sudden reach a year in your life and completely lose all the things that you have built up over your lifetime in terms of your morals, your preferences, your belief systems, your the things that give you pleasure, the things that you can't stand, all of those things, you know, they can be softened and changed and challenged over your life, of course, but you're constantly forming them um, and and they make your identity. And I think that, you know, a person has spent their whole life shaping and refining and consolidating their identity. And then it seems that because resources can be limited, in other words, places they can go, spaces they're welcome into, spaces they feel safe in, spaces they can access, or um, because of the fact that they're seen as a problem. And so the, the problem becomes what's dealt with and talked about. Um, that that rich sense of self and identity that they've built up over their lifetime can can seem to be a, a side issue or, or forgotten. So, yeah, um, I think the first part of the social work role is combating ageism. And that doesn't just mean, I think, not not being ageist, um, not being negative about older people um, as part of a wider kind of problem of ageism, but being proactively positive about older age and what the things that you've said about recognizing like lifelong development and potential and uh, understanding people's history and respecting um, and valuing their their life so far and where it's going next is is really important you know that um united for all ages which is a think do tank foundation <laughs> Um, founded in 2010, um, has got a kind of um, 20 ideas for ending ageism. And um, I think some of them are worth a look, actually. Online mentoring, where older people offer insight and wisdom and younger people offer help using tech to actually carry the sessions out. So um, the older person's having another way to connect with the world. The younger person's getting the benefit of that wisdom. Um then sports for life, where older people continue being involved and active in sports, such as walking football, things like that. But once again, with other co with other groups around, home share, where younger people share a home with an older homeowner who needs support with day-to-day -day living tasks, and um, shared nursery spaces, uh, where a daycare or residential for older people uh, is also a nursery for children. And these things are actually happening in the UK. The numbers are small, but they're growing. There are care homes that have nurseries attached, and there's 500 UK home share households where older people are matched with younger people living together, and they and they both gain. 
Um, and I guess for me, you know, we shouldn't underestimate the good that comes from intergenerational living and intergenerational friendships. I know that personally, my son has a friend who's in her 80s and what they do together is they garden. He goes to her home and he helps her with the work that she's not strong enough to do anymore. But in return, he's learned about different plants, about grafting, about greenhouse work. He's learned to make his own fertilizer. He's learning a craft, you know, that will last his lifetime. And then, you know, during their break times, they sit on a little seat that overlooks the garden and they talk about all sorts of things. And I asked him why he enjoyed going to see her. And he said that she was wise and good to talk to. And he always comes home more settled in himself. And as a teenager who's working through those turbulent years of growth, having someone who's been on a long journey through life and is still getting and giving joy is a really reassuring thing. And so if we could find ways to mingle more, you know, and not just with our family, because you've got to rely on what family you have, but to mingle more through the generations, I think we'd, we would all benefit greatly, quite honestly. I think that's right. I think the there's sort of different um, levels that you can think about what social workers can offer to people in older age. I think the first level is the kind of promoting the positivities of older age. Um, the second is a sort of preventative level around helping people remain included and um, participation and sort of intergenerational um, uh, stuff that can happen. You know, those sort of connections and networks that can happen. And then the the sort of more specific one that we tend to think about, which is the direct is the direct support for people who particularly need it at a particular time. So whether that's um, in a crisis, an element of social care, or whether it's um, support through a particular transition or loss or bereavement, or it's ongoing support for people who are just experiencing difficulty managing um, and will continue to do so. So there's there's different sorts of levels to this and I think just thinking about it as um, what we do when people can't manage um, means that we don't um, enable all the all the richness that older age can offer and can offer mm. to the whole society. Yeah, uh, the last thing for me would be um, in terms of social work roles would be about helping people talk about money amongst families and adults and helping them have those important conversations with family members and understanding financial implications of of um that that kind of last stage of our life where you know our resources have had to last quite a long time most probably and um i do think that there is a role for um mediation and support in helping older people talk well with family members and with other people about their resources. I think that's right. I think actually that's a kind of whole life course thing. If you think of that as, as a as the broad um, ambition that people get to make decisions about their life through their whole life, mm. then because we know that there's real barriers to that in older age, enabling people to kind of plan ahead and yeah, be ready to uphold their decisions, you know, put forward their decisions yes. and uphold them at that point is, is really important but it can start quite early can't it yes it really can yeah but for, but don't you find that lots of times it doesn't start at all until there's a crisis 
I think that's right. And I think that kind of wariness of talking about not just what might happen, but to some extent, what will happen. Of course. You know, um, well, if we look at the kind of, if it's two thirds of people who experience frailty in their 90s, let's think about the fact that if people live long enough, they will probably need some care and support um, or, or they will, might face some challenges. They'll probably face some challenges in making particular decisions. Um, and so we need to kind of be having those conversations a lot earlier. We'll talk about this a lot more, I think, in the in the end of life um, podcast. Mm -hmm. But yeah, starting early is really good. And it also that that principle that we want people to be able to keep making decisions their whole life course also means that social workers have a um, an influencing role as well as working with di directly with particular people to support them to make decisions. We also have a role of looking at how society is resourcing um, this, you know, how it's helping yeah. people have the support to make decisions and also have the resource to carry them through. And so there is a, 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 you know, a broader political role mm -hmm. of, of ensuring that there's appropriate funding and um, expertise. And I thought of some um, reflective questions. Brilliant. That, that I that I wanted to that, that, that this made me think about and the first thing I thought was um, we've used this before I know in other um, work that we've done the kind of check your circle and I thought yeah how many people of different ages are you in touch with on a regular basis because it is a good question isn't it and I kind of looked at it for myself and thought that's yeah that's a challenge for me and then my next one was, how would you want people to see you as you continue to age? And that's something for me, you talked about um, upholding their decisions, getting people to think early and uphold things. And I did wonder whether one of the things that would be helpful to do um, when we first got in touch with people was actually talk to them about how they wanted people to see them as they continued to age so that they could uphold that towards the end of their life. So almost like a blueprint for things I don't want to lose about myself. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, well, what are you able? To, what are you doing to support older people around you to keep them self, sense of self strong and to be able to communicate that to others easily? Yeah, those are really good questions. 